Welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with your host, Nicole Van Quatham, nutritionist and owner of Random Wellness Co. and the Random Wellness Shop. Join me each week for all things random wellness, including intuitive nutrition, entrepreneurship, holistic living, good vibes, and a dash of woo-woo. I hope this podcast gives you a good laugh, teaches you something new, and helps you up-level your health. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Random Wellness Podcast with myself, Nicole Van Quatham. Um, this is kind of crazy for me because the last time I recorded, I was pregnant and was doing like pregnancy rambling series where I just like pretty much shared my thoughts on what I was going through. Um, and then I had the odd guest on, but mostly doing chats with Martina Biljan, uh, who was amazing. So you probably heard some of those episodes as well. Um, but the last episode that I wanted to go out for season three of the Random Wellness podcast was my birth story. So that is what I'm going to record today. Um, I was going to do it with Brendan, but I feel like it's just going to be complicated to try to like line up when we can do this, when Stevie's not fussy and all that kind of stuff. So um, not long after I gave birth, I actually had him go over what happened with me because as you'll hear when I share the story, um, my memory is a little bit foggy. Obviously birth is crazy and there's a lot going on, but um, I had some interesting health things happen, which made me not super alert and super, I guess, you know, understanding what was happening in the moment. Um, but I do think it'll be important to have him maybe come on and share his perspective of like what it was like for him to go through that experience um, and having to watch me go through it because I can honestly only share from my perspective. And even then it's like still super fuzzy, uh, which again, I'll explain in a little bit. And full disclaimer, I, like I said, I don't fully remember what happened or like when things happen in terms of like timelines. So I'm going to do my best to, I guess, share what happened. Um, but like, just know that, you know, some of these things might be not fully, I guess, um, accurate in terms of like the timeline. Uh, I think it's pretty close because we looked at Brennan's phone and like when he was sending text messages and like updating our doula and updating like family. Um, so that's kind of what we're going, like that's what we're basing this off of. Um, and neither of us are medical professionals. So like some of the things I might be saying, I don't know if they're like completely true in terms of like how I'm pronouncing things or like, um, yeah, you'll understand, I guess, once I get into it. So like I said, I was originally going to do this with Brendan, probably going to be a lot more emotional if I had him on it, but I think I'm honestly just going to share like very matter of fact, like what happened. Um, who knows, maybe I will get emotional, but I, it's just so hard because I have like Stevie laying right beside me and I'm trying to take advantage of her while she's sleeping and while Brendan's home in case I did need him to grab her or whatever it may be. So I'm not going to like get too much into like the fluff of it if that makes sense and kind of just like share exactly what happened just because a lot of people want to know but it's so hard for me to regurgitate the story over and over again in terms of like you know from like what happened from like a medical standpoint um so I figured I can just like record this and my community can listen to it family and friends can listen to it and then that way I'm not like having to share over and over again and if you hear funny noises in the background, again, Stevie is laying right beside me um, and 
she's sleeping but she grunts in her sleep when she's like pooping and <laughs> will make kind of funny noises so hopefully she doesn't start crying she does well she'll randomly cry too in the middle of her sleep for like a few seconds and then like fall right back asleep so honestly I'm probably just going to record through that because if I just wait for the perfect time I'll never record this so yeah let's get started so just to preface this it is January 15th when I'm recording this and she was born November 26 at 11 27 a.m I think or 11 29 this is so bad I don't remember but like honestly it it was just a whirlwind so November 26 close to noon is when she was born so um I'll kind of explain like what happened leading up to the birth because that's relevant to the story so um it was like a like a Monday or Tuesday and I was like having some like rib pain both in the front and in the back and it was really uncomfortable I was having a hard time sleeping so I went to my chiropractor and I got actually some relief from that and I think I had also went to my midwife that week or the week before and she took my blood pressure was a little bit higher than normal but like nothing alarming or bad um it just wasn't my typical I guess um numbers I don't remember what it was to be honest and then I had that rib pain come back like a couple times really mildly later that week didn't really think anything of it and it's kind of funny because I had a couple of girlfriends over I remember like sitting really uncomfortably when I was visiting with them um but not really thinking anything of it and then I the following I guess Monday again um it was really intense really um like it was like relentless like it wouldn't let up if I was like would stretch or do anything like that um and I couldn't sleep like for a whole night and I was like messaging my doulas I was messaging friends um who had babies and like because rib pain is normal like if you um are kind of you know later in your pregnancy and like things are moving and shifting uh but this was just like for some reason there's something in my gut that this wasn't like normal I didn't think it was going to be what it ended up being um but I just was like this this can't be like how I'm going to spend the rest of my pregnancy because like I don't know how to physically handle that for like another month and a bit um, especially if I went over my due date then it'd be like a month and a half of that pain so I called my midwife and I was just like is there anything I can do and she this was a, sorry this was on a Wednesday so like two days later after I was getting like the pain like really bad again and she said you know like meet me at the hospital and we'll just like run some tests um just for context, I live super close to the hospital. The midwife clinic is also really close to the hospital. So like, it just made sense for us to meet there and do the blood work and whatnot. So she took my blood pressure and ran some blood work. And it actually came, my blood pressure was super high. And my blood work came back that my um, platelets were really low and my liver enzymes were like completely out of whack. So she came in and was essentially like, you are going to have this baby a lot sooner than you think you were. And I'm thinking like, you know, like maybe like, oh, she means like we're going to have like a planned induction or like, I didn't really think C-section per se, but I was like, oh, like, you know, I got like a week or two for them to like figure this out and for this baby to come. Not thinking that literally the OB would be coming in and like inducing me in a couple hours. Um, so she told me essentially that that pain that I was having in my ribs was actually my liver um which was interesting and the reason why it didn't like really trigger her the week or two before was because I did I wasn't having it specifically where my liver was um and I do remember her asking me she's like oh like where's the pain I'm like oh it's all over and she's like 
now that I look back, she was obviously wondering if it was liver pain, um, but it wasn't presenting like obviously in one specific area. It was like my whole rib cage and like even like my chest in a way, like it was like, you know, like your ribs like up high. It was like my ribs in the back, everything just hurt. So um, that's why it wasn't super obvious that it was my liver. Uh, so yeah, the OB from the St. Thomas Hospital came in and was told me that I had preeclampsia and something called HELP syndrome. Um, I think the actual acronym is like H-E-L-L-P. It's like so funny. I haven't even like honestly done that much research on it just because I've just gone based off like what they've told me. And also essentially like there's a lot of unknowns about this uh, syndrome. And I think one of the main like precursors for it is if you're like a Caucasian pregnant woman, which like that's obviously super vague. Um, so yeah, that was what they told me. And they're like, we're inducing you like now essentially. And I was like, luckily Brendan was actually on his way to work and he had this gut feeling that he shouldn't go to work. So he came with me to the hospital and I'm just like thinking, I'm just gonna get my blood work done and like, you know, blood pressure taken and just go home. And they're just gonna tell me to like take like Tylenol or something for like my rib pain. Um, wasn't expecting to get induced. So obviously we didn't have a hospital bag. We didn't have anything with COVID everything's super weird. So yeah, she, the OB came in and unfortunately, because the OB has to be involved, um, my midwife was no longer in charge of my care, although they were there to support me through the whole process. Um, so yeah, they tried to insert me with the, um, I think it's called a fully, fully balloon. Um, but that they couldn't get to stay in. So they use something called Cervidil, which looks like a thin, they say tampon, but it's like way smaller than a tampon. Um, and they inserted that into my cervix. Um, so yeah, that was, that was actually really uncomfortable just because everything's like really tender internally. Um, so I was like, my body was like shaking like profusely and like the nurse who like also long story short, um, you'll actually, you'll figure out why, um, she ended up caring for me again afterwards and also was in the NICU, um, she was there like trying to help calm me down. And it was just like, she was just the most lovely nurse ever. Um, but yeah, so she, that was super painful actually. And I, I'm trying to think, I think it was 34 weeks when this is happening, just also give you context of how early um, I was induced. Oh, Stevie's making some really weird noises. <laughs> so yeah, I started getting labor pains and Brendan uh, messaged my doula to come to the St. Thomas Hospital to help me through that. Um, and it got way more intense. And they told me that I couldn't have an epidural because of my condition. And they're even like wondering if like I could even have morphine. So this is in the St. Thomas Hospital. And I became absolutely hysterical, probably around midnight. And I was like asking if they could remove it because they still wanted me to have it in for like a couple more hours. And I think it was around 1 a.m. that they removed it, but I was still having contractions like a while after. Um, and they did eventually give me morphine, um, but that didn't kick in as fast as we thought it would. So I was like in excruciating pain. And it's so funny, it was like an out-of-body experience. Like I remember being like completely hysterical and like begging for like pain relief. And like the nurse is like looking at me and I feel like the OB was looking at me like I was, like absolutely insane and I remember thinking inside that I was like actually like completely hysterical but like not being able to control it it was like what I was thinking I was like Nicole you're being like completely ridiculous and like I don't say like the word crazy um but I just can't think of anything right now to describe it but I couldn't like help it like I was just like 
begging for some sort of pain relief. Um, so they did give me, like I said, the morphine, which did help, um, but it didn't kick in <laughs> as quickly as we were hoping. Um, so yeah, that the next morning, um, it was interesting because I was like through the night for like the next few hours, I would like wake up every once in a while with like a contraction, like still lingering and like moan through it. And Brendan was sleeping on the couch and he could hear me. Um, I was like kind of doing it almost like in my sleep in a way and then I'd go back to sleep. So yeah, in the morning they had me do an ultrasound. So Brennan wheeled me down there and I literally think I fell asleep in the hallway because there was like a small waiting room and it was pretty much packed um, at the time. And then they took me into the ultrasound room and I actually fell asleep on the table and I literally told the ultrasound tech like, hey, I'm just gonna like sleep <laughs> in this room. It was really dark because there's like no windows. So it was like, honestly I just could not keep my eyes open so yeah I'm pretty sure I like I don't know if anyone like if they're falling asleep like has that like weird snort thing that wakes them up um almost like a snore yeah I totally did that um I'm not sure if the ultrasound tech was like in the room when that happened but yeah that definitely happened uh, so went back to the room and they came back to tell me that um they noticed that Stevie was actually smaller than what she should have been for 34 weeks so they had me transferred to London to have um, to give birth. Mind you, within that period of time when they told me that they're going to transfer me, they told me they're going to transfer me. Then they came back, told me I was going to stay in St. Thomas. And then they told me again that we're going to go. It, I think it was honestly like three or four times they changed it um, within like a very short period of time. So I was like texting my mom being like, I'm going to London. No, just kidding. I'm staying no, I'm going again. So like any family friends or doula, I feel so bad because we like probably texted them like what feels like a million times in a short period of time, changing things. Um, so yeah, they transferred me to London via ambulance. Brennan drove, uh, not ideal because I already puked in my mouth getting into the ambulance because they had me like, they're pushing me around the hospital in um, a stretcher, which felt so ridiculous because at the time I was walking around my room in running shoes and like dressed like a normal person not even like a hospital gown or anything so I was like the fact I had to be transferred via an ambulance was like I just felt like overkill I kind of get it but at the same time I was like I really didn't want to be in an ambulance because I get motion sickness so yeah the motion sickness even from the stretcher I like puked my mouth and then I was like breathing my way through getting to London which is someone's not familiar with like St. Thomas in London it's like probably 25 minutes from one hospital to the other um, but luckily the one nurse came with me who was like caring for me in the hospital and was like trying to keep me calm <laughs> um just so I didn't like puke obviously the paramedics did not care at all because they're like that is like nothing compared to what we would deal with on a daily basis so that made me feel a little bit better that if I did puke in the ambulance uh, <laughs> they weren't too shook about it so I'm trying to think okay so then I wait, waited in triage um I think because I don't I'm obviously wasn't sure where they're pushing me around I think it was triage in like the labor and delivery area. I'm not really sure, but it was because there's like no windows or anything in this room. Um, so the OB came in um, in London and told me that I need to start oxytocin and get labor started. And at this time I wasn't sure if I was like even allowed to have an epidural because in St. Thomas, they told me um, that I might not be able to just with everything going on, um, which at first I wasn't like too shook about until I had that Cervidil um, inserted into me to um, induce me and I was like I cannot go through that again like mentally and physically like I cannot go through that pain again because I was already like 
so worn out just from that. Um, so I, I was like, started crying being like the thought that like, I might have to go through that pain again with no pain meds was like horrifying to me. Um, so, cause like my original, like not birth plan, like have like a set in stone birth plan, but it was originally that I would labor at home as long as I could, because I live so close to the hospital, then go to the hospital. And if I wanted an epidural, I'd get one. If I didn't, I didn't, whatever. Like I wasn't like stuck either way. Um, but just the way they're talking in St. Thomas is that like, I might not be able to get any pain management. And that was like, knowing that I couldn't was like really scary in a way. Um, I think it had something to do with like my platelets being so low and inserting the epidural and like bleeding was like a worry of theirs. However, in London, they actually wanted me to get it right away. Like they were pushing for me to like get it because I think it was like good in terms of like blood pressure and managing that. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an OB. I also don't remember like half of what happened in that time span. Oh, and to give you context, this is on Thursday. So I got admitted to St. Thomas Hospital Wednesday. We're now in London. Um, I think probably later Thursday morning, mid-morning. So yeah, the um, then they brought me to a room. Um, and at this point I hadn't eaten in such a long time other than like a couple soda crackers. So I was feeling super weak and tired um, just because of I, yeah, I don't think they let me really, yeah, they didn't let me eat in St. Thomas. I snuck a couple snacks uh, when no one was looking, like I think a granola bar or something, but that was pretty much it. Um, so yeah, they put me in the room, um, they started the oxytocin and they gave me an epidural apparently around 7 p.m. Thursday evening. It felt like so much earlier in the day, but apparently it was like in the evening. And the crazy part about that was that I um, was like shaking like a leaf every time they'd come in and like intervene somehow, whether it's like inserting something into me, doing a check. Um, I like had this like uncontrollable shaking that I could not figure out for the life of me. I've only had it like one other time really that it showed up. And that was when I would um, be a, in my oncologist's office, which if you don't know that story, you can go back to like one of my first podcast episodes. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a really weird sensation. And of course I knew that I couldn't shake when getting an epidural inserted. So um, I had Brendan in front of me and I was taking deep breaths and I had a lovely nurse to like help calm me through the whole thing. Um, so yeah, they did the epidural and then later they put me on something called magnesium sulfate. Uh, and that was for my blood pressure, I'm pretty sure. And they warned me that it would make me feel like I had like a flu and it did. It made you feel like you had a disgusting, horrible flu, uh, but it also made me super groggy and like out of it, like, like mentally, like I wasn't it was like almost like I was like disassociating with like what was happening, which I probably was to a certain extent, but also like, I just like couldn't really connect the pieces afterwards. And this is why I'm like literally reading from a list because like timeline wise, like I literally had no idea like what happened, like reading my notes right now, like I had the epidural at 7 PM on that Thursday. I thought it was at like noon. Like I literally had no concept of like time or like what was happening. Um, so yeah, I wasn't allowed to eat or drink anything. Um, well, on that magnesium sulfate, I think it has something to do with like absorbing um, like fluid. And then also typically hospitals don't like you eating because they're worried if you had to like get an epidural or sorry, get a C-section um, and be put under, then that wouldn't be ideal. So 
yeah, they weren't letting me eat or drink anything. However, when I first got to the hospital, they had let me eat a couple popsicles or no, a popsicle and jello and some bone broth. And I remember because I was starving that that felt like the craziest thing ever, but I hadn't had like any actual like food other than the soda crackers in St. Thomas. Um, so I was like really upset that I couldn't have anything to eat. Again, I was feeling super weak. Um, so then after midnight, they started talking to me about getting a C-section. So I was obviously in labor at this time, but they had me like full tilt on the epidural. Like they would like literally top me up so that I wouldn't feel anything. and wouldn't have any like distress in my body. Um, but yeah, it was around midnight when they started talking about having a C-section because Stevie's heart rate kept dropping during my contractions um, while I was on the oxytocin. Uh, and they taken me off of that point probably around 3, 4.30 a.m. So around 3, 3.30 a.m. is when they were getting more serious about the C-section and we're getting everyone kind of prepped to go to the OR. So they had like my nurse in a hairnet and they had like hairnets ready for Brendan and I. So we're like literally just sitting there waiting for the OR to open up for me to go in, which was like really upsetting because of course I didn't want a C-section. I was super out of it. So it was kind of scary. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and they had also attached a monitor of some sort to her head. So they inserted it into me and attach it to her head to like track her heart rate because they were worried they weren't getting accurate enough um, heart rate readings doing the external um, monitoring. Um, so that was kind of crazy as well. So then they ended up being delayed because there was a bunch of emergency C-sections that were a lot more pressing. Um, so our OB came back in and apparently she's like amazing. Like our nurse kind of hinted that if there's any OB that she'd want doing a C-section, it was this one. And also she has like the lowest rate of doing C-sections. So she tries to avoid it as much as possible, which made me feel really good. So if she was having me do a C-section, I think she, by the sounds of it, it was really truly a last resort in this OB's mind. Um, but she came back in and she decided she wanted to do oxytocin again and saline infusion. Um, and I think apparently that was around 5 a.m. I have no idea, to be honest, like literally zero concept of time. Um, so here's my notes. Okay. I also want to note that anytime they came in to do a check or give me news, um, I would tremble aggressively. So yeah, I kind of mentioned that earlier and I like literally could not control it. Um, so she told me that I was getting a C-section. My body started shaking. She came back in, told me that they wanted to start the oxytocin again. I would start shaking. Um, I, I think it was like my body's like reaction. Like it, I honestly don't know. It was like, I'm assuming anxiety. But again, I'm not really sure because I couldn't really control it. I could try to breathe through it, but it was really hard. Um, so yeah, then, okay, what do I have here? Oh, I was just, okay, sorry. I'm just like reading my notes literally as I'm doing this. Um, so yeah, I was feeling really defeated at this point because I kept changing things. I was like, I'm getting a C-section. I'm not, we're doing oxytocin. We're not, I was also super out of it. They kept talking about Stevie's heart rate, which like, obviously wasn't actually like probably that serious but for me not really knowing what's going on I kept hearing that her heart rate was dropping and I was like it was freaking me out speaking of the devil someone is getting a little fussy probably getting time to eat soon so <laughs> I have a I have a soother in my hand ready to stick it in if she starts crying uh, but I can probably wrap this up pretty quickly because at this point it's not it's pretty like step by step um so yeah, I was feeling really defeated. And I like, I think I started crying to the OB, be like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just like, like this needs to end. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, 
like do you just want to get a c-section then i was like no i don't want a c-section but like i also don't want to be like starting and stopping oxytocin like honestly it was multiple times um and i think i was just like over just not knowing what was happening i was over not being able to eat i was over feeling like nauseous and just like absolute garbage um so yeah i'm trying to think so oh yeah and then i started bleeding um and the nurses were like really worried about it and i could like they're talking right in front of me being like yeah she bled through this like thing in like five minutes and like this is what it looked like and then by this time they also had the saline infusion in there so i think it was making it look a lot worse than it was because you know if you have like a cut or something in the shower and it like looks super dramatic i kind of think that's what was happening but for me i didn't know so i just heard that i was bleeding a lot and with like what was going on with me in terms of my health they were concerned about bleeding so that was freaking me out but they brought the ob in and she said that it was fine so i was like okay like there's just so many little things like that that kept happening um which probably weren't a big deal but when you like compile them on top of each other and it's just like constant bad news it was just like a lot to deal with um also overnight i had the most horrific acid reflux slash heartburn i think i've ever had in my life and i was literally begging for like because they wouldn't let me drink anything i just wanted like a sip of water i actually would ask for like tylenol <laughs> for because i was also getting really bad like headaches and stuff so i'd ask for tylenol because i knew that they would give me water to swallow pills so it was like my only chance to have any sort of like liquid and it was honestly the best feeling ever um so they injected me with something like through my iv uh in order to help with that but it didn't absolutely nothing and then they gave me a gross chalky drink which like helped for like a split second but then it was horrible because it left all the chalkiness in my mouth and they wouldn't give me any water to like wash the chalky substance down so like if I would have known that I would not have drank that because it was honestly like torture. Like I couldn't even think or like speak properly because I had the most intense like burning sensation. Um, so yeah, kind of getting back to like the birth side of things, 7 a.m. her heart rate started to drop again and I was only four centimeters dilated. Um, so again, still feeling super defeated at that point. So at 8 a.m. they came back in and said I was five to six, um, which they're encouraged by that. And they put me back on a lower dose of oxytocin um then I like stayed there for like a couple hours um not really making much progress and then all of a sudden they checked me and I was like uh when was that? I'm trying to think I think around 10 I went from like five to like nine and a half centimeters dilated like super fast um and then 10 15 is when they said that they would be going to the take me to the OR to push. Um, so I probably got to the OR just after 11, we think. We're like looking at, I think this is based off of like text messages that Brendan was sending to our doula <laughs> and like calls he was making to like our midwife. Um, so yeah, they I got in there just after 11, obviously they got me all prepped and ready to go. Um, and the reason why they took me to the OR is because I knew again that she was smaller and that she might need some additional support after um, I gave birth. So. Yeah, uh, under 10 minutes, I pushed her out. Um, it was so funny because it was like, I was so out of it. Um, as you, I remember I even started shaking when they told me that I was like nine and a half centimeters and I'd have to start pushing right away because I like was thinking, I didn't think I was actually going to give birth vaginally at that point because of her heart rate dropping all the time. Um, so I thought like in my head, I was like, I came to terms, I guess that I was probably going to have to have a C-section. Um, 
so it was like another shock that they were like, all right, like you're doing this vaginally. I'm like, okay. So took me to the OR, push her out really fast. It was like my mind took over and I was just like, I'm getting her out. And, um, and I did, and it sucked because I was full epidural, like literally we laughed. We called my one leg a sausage leg because when I had the epidural, they had me lay on one side because it was really strange depending on which side I was laying on. Um, her heart rate would drop. And then at one point they actually had to prop me up. So I was like literally sleeping full on, like sitting up in the hospital bed, like pretty propped up um, because her heart rate would, was a lot better when I would sit like that. Um, and then sometimes it would be better if I laid on my one side. So at one point it just happened to be that when I laid on my right side, her heart rate was better. And I, but I don't know, they think like the epidural all kind of like went to one side. So my one leg was gigantic and my um when they do the ice test they like test your body with ice to see um if the epidurals like needs to be topped up or not and my right side was always way more like numb than my left side um and it was honestly kind of funny uh and like I said I was so out of it that they would actually top up my epidural for me because every 20 minutes I could hit a button to like top it up but I was just like so loopy that I wouldn't remember. And also the pain of the contractions was so mild compared to what it was like when I was on the Cervidil in St. Thomas, that like, if I had a contraction that I was moaning through, it honestly was like, just negligible to what I experienced before. So like, I didn't even like, I wasn't even worried about topping up my epidural. Anyways, um, yeah, so they put me in the OR and they had to like throw my one leg up there cause it was literally just like a big swollen sausage it felt like, and I couldn't feel anything. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't against getting an epidural by any means, but I figured if I did get an epidural, I at least push on my side, um, just for other reasons I won't get into. Um, if you want to learn more about that, follow my doula, Sarah and Lara from dynamic doulas, cause they talk about different pushing positions. Um, so if you do have an epidural, there's still other like ways that you can push other than on your back. Cause that's not, you know, an optimal position. Uh, but I was just so out of it and I just wanted to like get this done with <laughs> like I didn't even like ask to push on my side like all those things that I had in my head that I was going to do I did not do at all which is totally fine in the end um because obviously there was bigger things going on so yeah pushed on my back got her out in less than 10 minutes um and she came out screaming which was amazing because even like full-term babies um, can sometimes not come out screaming and they might need additional support, but as like a preemie, um, a lot of times they do need support in terms of like respiratory um, related things. So yeah, they took her off right away. Actually, no, that's not true. They put her on my stomach. My umbilical cord was super short, so they couldn't put her on my chest. Um, so they just had her like on my lower abdomen. And so I was able to kind of like touch her um, and I could like kind of like see her. So yeah, they cut the cord. I couldn't do like delayed cord clamping. I don't think I literally was not in a mental state to even like care about that kind of stuff. Again, things that I did want to do that didn't happen. And I'm totally fine with that now just because it is what it is. Um, but yeah, they took her right off to a room just off the OR, but Brennan got to go over there, which was awesome so that he could actually take videos and like photos of like them, um, getting her all ready. And then they actually brought her back to me in the OR. So I could like, I wasn't really holding her. They just held her next to me because I was in no position to hold a newborn baby um but yeah that was amazing because like her eyes were like open and she was breathing on her own which was like the huge like a huge thing for a preemie 
Uh, and yeah, so then they took her off to the NICU and um, took me back to my room with Brendan. Uh, it was also, COVID was kind of crazy. So they did let my doula into the OR, which usually they, I don't think they let doulas into the OR because if you are going into one, it's probably because you're getting a C-section, um, which that's like a full operation. But because mine wasn't an actual like operation, they let her in, which was amazing too, because I could have two support people. Brendan was one of them. And I got to choose between my midwife and my doula. And I actually wanted my doula there because um, I want her there for more for that like emotional support and also support for Brendan. Whereas like a midwife's more there for, um, I guess originally was going to be there more for like the birthing process, but because I had an OB who had to take over anyways, I didn't really need like two people like that. Um, however, my midwife did show up. She like missed my birth by like a couple minutes, which was kind of funny, um, but they actually let her into the OR as well. Um, again, she missed the birth just because everything happened so quickly, but she was there and they actually had let my midwife and doula and Brendan be in the room afterwards at the same time, which is, they probably honestly weren't that happy with it, but just with the circumstances, I just don't think they probably had the energy to like fight it. Um, so yeah, we went back to the room. Um, I was still on the magnesium sulfate. So that sucked because again, I was like super loopy. Um, and then, okay, where am I? My notes. That was kind of based on my memory there. Okay, so I still on the magnesium. Wasn't taken off until Saturday morning. So I gave birth Friday morning. Wasn't taken off until uh, Saturday morning. Make sure my blood pressure was okay. And honestly, that was the hardest part because I feel like I was looping before birth. I remember pushing, but then I, I was like a zombie again after. And the nurses actually, um, like they would, they were hand expressing colostrum for me because I couldn't physically do it myself. Um, and then Brendan went to the NICU Friday evening. That's when he could go there to go see her. And it was honestly heartbreaking because he was FaceTiming me from the NICU and I couldn't even go that night. Like they told me I could, if I like wanted to, but they'd have to get me into like a wheelchair. And they were kind of like pretty much from Brennan's perspective, apparently we're like, yeah, they didn't really want you actually getting out of the hospital bed and going to the NICU. Like they weren't going to tell you no, but like they were kind of like, eh, you should probably stay. So, and I honestly don't really remember anyways, I was so out of it. And it's funny because I was taking screenshots while Brennan was FaceTiming me from the NICU and um, not realizing I was also taking screenshots of myself and looking back at those photos, they're actually hilarious. So it's like a photo of Stevie and in the corner, it's a photo of me, totally out of it. My face is super swollen and I look just like, I look so funny. Like, it doesn't even look like me. I showed my doula after I sent her the photo. And she's like, I honestly wouldn't have recognized you if I didn't know that was you. Um, so obviously it wasn't ideal that that's why I looked like that. But it honestly was like pretty funny looking back. But luckily, Brendan was able to go there and see her. And I think he was actually able to hold her that night. He didn't want to tell me until after because he didn't want me to be jealous. But like, I'm honestly just happy that they let him do that so early. Obviously, because with a lot of preemies, it can be a lot worse. Um, but she was doing really well. so. Yeah, that was Friday evening that he was able to do that. Um, and then in the middle of the night, like literally, I think it was honestly in the middle of the night, they transferred Brendan and I to like the mom and baby side, which is fine, but they're literally still completely out of it. And they're like having us pick like what type of room we want and like if we wanted to pay and like all this just like weird shit. So we like wanted a private room, especially because like I'm literally... A non-functioning human haven't ate in days at this point let alone like had water I 
hadn't showered in days like so we were like okay we'll pay for like a private room we go in it's literally a closet and they had like just a normal chair for Brendan like not like a relaxing chair even just like a full-blown just run-of-the-mill chair um so we're like asked if there's anything that he could like have and they're like oh we'll try to find one of the reclining chairs so they're able to find one luckily because they weren't sure if they actually had any um which was still wildly uncomfortable for him but at least it was something and we only had to stay there one night I don't know how I would do it another night in there anyways because there's like one tiny window in this like closet of a room but luckily I got to shower my nurse on that side was also lovely side note the nurses in St. Thomas were amazing the nurses in um, London phenomenal we pretty much had like one nurse assigned to us um, and she like stayed in our room like the whole time like while I was in labor and she was like actually amazing I have a family member who also works in that unit and I messaged her because of course of course she wasn't working when I was in there Um, but I messaged her being like you need to tell this nurse that she's amazing because she honestly was like I like wish I could like send her a gift or something because she was there's two she actually wasn't there for the birth because she was off for that shift um but we had another nurse who was also phenomenal for the actual birth um and then that other nurse came back because she started her next shift again and even when she was like um we went to the mom and baby side and she was leaving like she came over to the mom and baby side to like say bye to us before we got transferred back to St. Thomas which I thought was like really lovely and um very sweet of her so yeah again on the mom and baby side um I I'm trying to remember I think I had to get like injected with a couple things I don't even know um finally got my catheter taken out so that was exciting (laughs) and then yeah they were just like trying to figure out when they would transfer me back to St. Thomas because all of a sudden they're like oh yeah she's doing good enough they have space in St. Thomas we're going to transfer this afternoon so that was like kind of a whirlwind so I got to go over to the NICU hold her while she had her feeding tube um and then we came back again and also they're like yeah she's getting transferred like way sooner than we thought we would she would like literally the paramedic was there getting like everything ready to transfer her so um it was just a matter of getting me transferred luckily instead of having to wait for like an ambulance to take me um they said that Brendan could drive me to the St. Thomas Hospital and we could even like stop and get food. So um, that was probably the most exciting news of all that I didn't have to go in ambulance and that I could stop at home and actually grab some things to go back into the hospital. Um, so yeah, we went to St. Thomas, Stevie was getting transferred to St. Thomas. And then, yeah, we were on like the mom and baby wing, I guess, in the St. Thomas hospital, which was nice because it's only like two minutes from our house. Um, so I'm trying to think what time that was yeah I don't yeah I guess that was like mid late afternoon and then the rest was pretty much just um getting monitored in the St. Thomas Hospital from Saturday until Monday or Tuesday I think Monday Monday afternoon I think I got discharged I'm not literally this is like my memory it's so bad yeah I got to go home uh, Monday afternoon so that was awesome um the room in St. Thomas was like huge compared to what we had and the staff were lovely. Um, but I had to be constantly monitored, which kind of sucks. So like, I also should mention this, if this happened in London too, I had to get my blood drawn all the time. Um, I had to get my reflexes checked, my blood pressure checked and something 
oh my temperature taken and I don't even remember but yeah it was like you're trying to like rest um after everything and I'd get woken up and like literally have to get blood drawn like all the time so like my arms were like super bruised they had to start using my hands because both of my arms were like in rough shape um so even just like little things like that which like if that was the only thing that happened that wouldn't be a big deal but like everything considering and then having to get poked like literally 15 times and then having to get like your blood drawn from your hand because your arms are so bruised yeah that doesn't really add um to the whole experience mind you like I said the nurses were amazing so just thankful for them oh I need to wrap this up because someone's getting hungry sorry if you're gonna hear her sucking on her soother <laughs> and whining um but yeah, long story short, um, Stevie was doing so well in the NICU that she got sent home really quickly. Like she was only in there for a couple of weeks. And we literally heard from a nurse on like a Saturday, like, hey, I heard that she might be going home soon. We're like, oh, really? Like we had no idea. Um, we figured she wouldn't be in like super long, but like we didn't think it'd be like super soon. So that was on a Saturday. And we're like, well, it's only coming from a nurse. It's not coming from our doctor. So like, what does that even mean? So on the... Sunday morning we went in to do her feed um and the pediatrician was there which we weren't expecting to see him on a Sunday morning because he had literally been there like every day during the week and he's like yeah she's like good to go home today and we're like what so um yeah we like fed her and changed her and he did like a one like a check over and was like yeah like go home get your car seat and come back she wasn't even like legal to be in a car seat she was only three pounds eight ounces so she was like only her birth weight um when we took her home and it was hilarious because we literally facetimed my friend who has the same car seat and had like two of the nurses in, in the NICU with us um trying to figure out how to get her in this because she's so freaking tiny we'd never used our car seat because obviously I was planning on doing all that stuff like in December like figuring out the car seat and like how it works um thinking I had like a lot of time still um, so yeah, we're literally facing my friend, um, shout out to Sarah for helping us get Stevie in her car seat to take her home. Um, I was like pretty organized and had like a lot of stuff ready in terms of like bringing her home. Uh, but definitely it was like a huge, huge shock that we were bringing her home that day. Like we didn't really get a heads up to say like, oh, Sunday. And also the NICU nurse told us like, just to like kind of soften the blow that we don't, they don't send babies home until they're five pounds. She was only three, eight. So like, we thought we still had a lot of time before she got sent home. Um, but because she was doing so well at the feeds, they had like no concerns. Um, so that was a really good sign actually. And I don't really, I can't remember the acronym they use for babies that are smaller than what they should be in utero. Um, it's like IUG, I don't know. Anyways, the pediatrician was saying that those babies typically excel once they're out of um the womb because they had to fight so hard to get nutrients and stuff inside that when they're getting bottle fed all this like breast milk um it's like easy compared to what they had to deal with inside so they typically excel pretty quickly so um I think that has partially to do why Stevie was taking to a bottle so well even though she's so small and she was gaining weight really well so yeah they figured there's no point in her being in the NICU so might as well send her home Again, also nice because of COVID. Um, it was just like a really weird vibe being going in and out of the NICU all the time and, you know, wearing a mask and doing all that stuff. So we were just happy that we could get her home and keep her safe. Um, and she's been doing great since then. And again, it's January 15th. And we had her weighed earlier in the week by our midwife because um, she got um, discharged from 
midwifery care and so did I because she was at the six week mark and based on her weight on was it Monday or Tuesday she's probably six pounds um about six pounds today so that's pretty crazy and yeah she's doing great and I'm doing great now got my blood pressure taken and it is back to normal and my liver enzymes are back to normal and my platelet levels are back to normal so um yeah everything's really good but I didn't get into like more of the emotional side but it honestly was a pretty traumatic birth um a lot more to that than what I shared in this recording but I'll probably get into that more eventually and probably have Brendan come on the podcast and share his perspective as well so yeah I hope you enjoyed this if you have any questions or like want me to expand on any parts of it just like let me know because obviously like I said I'm kind of going based off my super foggy memory and my jot notes here um Brendan has a better memory so I'm hoping to get him on if that's something that you guys think would be interesting and um again, I can kind of get more into like the emotional birth trauma side of things. Um, I just kind of wanted to like share like the nitty gritty, like what happened mostly so that I can have it from my memory recorded. Uh, and then also people asking, it's like, I don't have to regurgitate it every single time. I can just tell people to listen to this podcast episode. Um, so yeah, let me know what you guys think. If you have any questions and if you want me to bring Brendan on the podcast to um, have his perspective as well, but thanks for listening. This is technically the last episode of season three but just because of everything that happened um I might do an additional episode or just kind of have season three kind of transition to season four um at no particular set time like it might not be like a official season four launch it might just kind of start whenever I record the next episode so um with that being said too let me know what you want for season four if you want to be interviewed if you have people you want me to interview And if you have any topics that you want, I also thought of maybe doing once a month, ask me anything where I can do a question box on like Facebook and Instagram, um, or you can send me an email with any like nutrition and wellness related questions. Cause again, I am a registered holistic nutritionist, although I don't coach people anymore, I'm happy to answer questions. So I thought it might be fun to do like once a month where you can just like ask all your questions or even just like life questions or even like maybe funny questions. I don't know, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, like an ask me anything kind of style podcast recording where you can just submit any and all questions and then I'll answer, um, answer them once a month in a recording. So yeah, let me know what you think about that. Um, send me a DM on Instagram at random wellness co and let me know again, what you think about that kind of style moving forward once a month and what you want to hear for season four. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Random Wellness Podcast. Don't forget to head over and connect with us on socials at Random Wellness Co. and at Shop Random Wellness. And use the code PODCAST15 for 15% off your first order at www.shoprandomwellness.com.